Well, Ken didn't want to do that video. I can tell you right now, if you know Ken at all, he was like, no. Um, but uh, Ken's one of those stories of people who, uh, who, who hung around and sought to follow God in places he wasn't sure. He served in kids, and next thing you know, uh, God opened a whole new avenue for him. Um, one of the things we try and keep talking about as a church is that you're never more alive than when you're giving yourself away. Uh, that's the model of Jesus, right? He gives himself away. And he's never more alive than when he's giving himself away. And that's true for us is what we get invited into and, and called into. And so this morning, what I want to do is um, as we prepare, because we're preparing for a whole new year, right? I know we're in many ways, if you got school age kids or if you're one of the teachers, like you've been in. So you're like, whatever, prepare, we're in. But we're preparing for a whole new ministry year, a whole new uh, school year and all the rhythm that, that goes with all of those things. And one of the things I want to do before we look at where we're going and what those things might mean, I, I want to spend some time this morning uh, focusing on, on, on what God has done and how he's uh, taken us to where we are. I want to do so by uh, spending some time in 1 Samuel chapter 7. So keep your eyes on the screen as I read the passage. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 7 to 12. Now, when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord, our God, for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And, and Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel, but the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion. And they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below beth Car. Verse 12. Then Samuel took a stone and he set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. This is the word of the Lord. Ebenezer is um, probably a word that you know in one of two ways. Either you've every year watched the Christmas Carol and the Scrooge who visit, is visited by the three ghosts that change his life forever. It's a great story. That's how most people know the word Ebenezer. Or if you live over Marietta, there's an Ebenezer Road. I understand that's another way too. Um, or you've been singing since you were a kid the old hymn, Come Thou Fount. And the great line here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. But if you're honest, if you're like, like me in my earlier years, I didn't know what that meant to raise my Ebenezer. Anybody with me read that, heard, read, sang that song? You're like, what are we raising? I want to, but I'm just not sure what we're doing while we're talking about this. Of course, as a good Christian, you fake it. You know, you're like, mmm, raising my, no, it just doesn't, it doesn't actually work. Most of us don't know what it means, but, but after today, you will no longer wonder. Every time that song comes on, you'll be like, I know exactly what we're doing. I'm going to read some Ebenezer. That's what's going to happen after 
after today. Uh, what's amazing about this passage, and there's tons of there's tons of story around it and behind it. We're not going to spend our time in that today. We're um, is that. Uh, the, the people of Israel have come after 350 years or so of kind of swinging in and out of being in captivity. Various groups getting taken over by other more strong and more powerful uh, uh, Canaanite communities. And, and they cry out to God and God rescues them. And then they go do whatever they want. It's called the cycle of the judges. Remember about a year ago, we preached a whole series on judges talking through that. Samuel is the last judge. And he comes and he, he invites the people of Israel after 20 years of being under the oppression of the Philistines. After 20 years, the people say, there's got to be a better way. And they cry out and he says that they purge themselves and they ask for forgiveness and they repent. And Samuel, who's just a young prophet at this point, a young, a young, young judge, he goes out and he says, let us gather and let us take on the Philistines. And so in this moment, we see something amazing take place. And that is that so far, the Israelites have been routed time and time again. But this time, it says that the Lord answered and he routed them. Literally, it says he thundered. as in like He literally shook it all and they were routed with the participation, of course, of the Israelites. But what's fascinating is what happens at the end is that Samuel having seen what just unfolded and the liberty, the freedom that just was accomplished on behalf of, of Israel, he goes and he finds a stone. I'm assuming it's probably a lot bigger stone than this. He finds this large stone and he takes it out into this field, into this location where Mizpah, by the way, is the place where Israel gotten defeated over and over again. And he goes to that very place to mark this very day. And he puts the stone down and he said, Thus far, the Lord has been faithful to us. Thus far, the Lord has been with us. Thus far, the Lord has come with us. Hither, by thy grace, I've come. So, an Ebenezer is a stone of remembrance. It's a stone by which we remember the faithfulness of God. And it was a stone that once it was, it was laying in that field, if you walked by or if you found yourself doubting the goodness, the faithfulness the commitment of God on his behalf, according to his covenant, then you would go by and say, but here, here, the Lord was faithful. And so maybe, just maybe, now the Lord might be faithful still. That's what the Ebenezer stone is. And we all have Ebenezer stories, don't we? We all have moments in our lives where we've seen the faithfulness of God at times that it was undeniable. We couldn't miss it. Moments or, or seasons, people or, or particular events that were used by God to manifest, to mark, to, to establish a reality that he is for you, that he has rescued you, that he is faithful. And it's been an essential element, maybe, hopefully, in your life in moving you into the future grace that God has for you ahead. Well, one of the things I want to do the next few moments, is to pick up Ebenezer Stones about our church community, about, frankly, many of you that are sitting in this room. Sometimes we talk about what happened last year. We talk about numbers, like this many people went on a mission trip, and this much stuff was done. And it's really great. It's fun to talk about those, those pieces. And, you know, I, I come from a Baptist background, which means, like, everything has to be counted somehow, you know, like, somehow has to be counted. So uh, we'll count you all later, don't worry. Um, but one of the things I want to just do is walk through a variety of ways in which we want to remember the faithfulness of the Lord. One of the things that manifested this year 
is there were several members of the worship team, this is in the arena of worship and teaching in particular, that, that, that began to see their role shift a little bit from just being musicians to no longer just being musicians, but being, being individuals and, and a team that was going to usher in the people of God into an experience of God. And so they, they began to prepare themselves spiritually and, and emotionally before the services in a way they hadn't before. They'd prepared their skills before, but now they were offering their hearts because they love this church and they love you. We spent some time last year talking through money, sex, and power, kind of taking some of the, the biggest potential challenges in our lives, and we, like, we, we shook it up. We invited you to really consider, to, to look at the framework of your life as another way, that there's another way of engaging, a third way to engage these crucial arenas of culture and, and life. We even last year were able to successfully navigate for the first time a surprise fire alarm, <laughs> which candidly, no one usually gets to do, and that was our first, and, and we did great, no panic, no one was on fire, it was just a win-win, big Ebenezer. If someone had been, we would remember it differently. This is the year where uh, the elders and a handful of others began to, to pray before the service, asking God, taking, taking each of you and taking the things, the elements of what we accomplish here on Sunday morning and putting them into the hands of the only one that's actually going to be able to take these words and, and those songs and actually infuse them into your heart, make them awaken and alive in you to the reality that there is a God who loves you and wants to see you become the fullness of, his, of what he imagined you to be in Christ. Like, begin to pray expectantly that he would do that in you. I began to hear stories of like the presence of the Lord, he hearing from him. I, this, this seemed like that was for me, that song. I was humming it this morning before I even came. We got to walk this past year through the, the book of Acts, uh, taking a, a time to, to give us vision of what it meant for us to live like a New Testament church that was predominantly and primarily alive to the reality of bearing witness to Jesus everywhere and in every context. And it began to bear fruit in a whole bunch of people. We, uh, we equipped ourselves in areas of faith, sexuality, and gender, and wrestled through that labyrinth of uncertainty and challenges and where we are. We, we even fumbled our way through Conversations 2.0, which was the, the conclusion of a full year of trying to wrestle through how do we engage in areas of, of race and grace and, and trying to figure out and discovering in reality just how difficult it is to continue to and to engage in and to fully give ourselves to the kind of conversations that we're not naturally involved in to continue to do so, even with believers, brothers and sisters. The cultural gaps are challenging. The racial gaps are challenging. About 50 of you were a part of a, of a, um, of, of, well, good grief, the name of that crazy course. Hearing People Seeking Jesus. Ivy, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I, what can I say? I named, I named the course. Gosh. <laughs> and and that was in direct response to trying to engage, how do we bear witness? What does it look like for us to, to hear, to hear what the question under the question that people are asking? And, and to pay attention to what God might be inviting us to maybe speak, but primarily to enter into the thing under the thing with the people in our lives. One cool thing is we had, had a mom who had a vision for some of the teenage girls, her teenage daughter in particular, and took some of the Discovery Bible Group's tools and, and, and got it retrofitted to be able to fit a little bit more of how it worked for teenage girls because she wanted to see her daughter and these young women equipped. We had a bunch of cool stuff take place in, in our community. Uh, we had some amazing things happened in the lives of kids. Um, uh, most of you, some, a lot of you have children. 
Um, and so you could probably hear some of these stories roll around. They take a bit to get to me, mostly because I don't know anybody's name. Ha, ha, ha. That joke is getting old from all of you, just so we're clear. Um, but um, one, of the, one of the moments, this is a kind of indicative of the kind of community and the kind of people that we have. There was a, the projectors were all, were all kind of shut down because of the painting of the school. And, um, and so they kind of had to do an impromptu course training without any of the curriculum that was prepared for it. And uh, one of the kid group leaders ended up being the mountain on which, uh, what is his name? It, it's just, it's true. Luke, Luke Dunn. Uh, <laughs> little Luke Dunn got to climb up the mountain, which was one of our kids group leaders. And from there, be able to receive the Ten Commandments and, and just the, the creativity of an entire classroom, but of one guy who was on his knees for 15 minutes with a little kid standing on his back because he wanted everybody to get the picture of Moses receiving the law and, and the law being the gift from the Lord that, that would be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We had um, we have a, a nine-year-old in our midst that, when we were doing the the all-in campaign stuff for the uh, for the building fund, did, did not want to be in with his parents. He wanted to have his own space. He filled out his own card, and um, I had our accountant came to me and she goes, "I'm not sure what this is," um, and I said, "What do you mean?" She's like, "Well, if someone gave twelve dollars for the year, and." And uh, I said, well, I wonder what the deal is with that. And she goes, his name is, and she gave his name. And I was like, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a kid. And because uh, I knew his name. Um, <laughs> all things are linked together. Um, and and, the, and this, this boy had decided that he wanted, he wanted to be a part of the thing that God was going to be doing in the future. He wanted to know that some of what his, was his was going to manifest itself in a real place and so, so he gave $2 up front and, and $1 a month for 10, for 10 months. Uh, what's awesome, I talked to his dad, and, and he said on the, on, the, on the big give Sunday, when we were, everyone's bringing their kind of first fruit stuff, he went to his piggy bank, realized that he only had a five. That was the, the smallest denomination. His dad like, listen, I can break it for you and everything. And, and he goes, no, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just give this, the, the five up front. We'll just, we'll just kind of front it uh, a little bit. So um, that's what it means to be a generous little kid, right? Kids don't ask questions like, like we do. Um, we have um, one of the cool things about Ken's story is that Ken began serving in the fourth graders and moved to the fifth graders, and he heard about the reality of the possibility of moving into teens because one of our philosophies here at Roswell is to train up kids with people that walk with them over time. We call them kids group leaders because we stick kids with adults and have them walk for a season together. And maybe there's a break and they come back, but... The idea is you, kind of st you try to stick with your kids over a long period of time. We have now, after we've implemented this four years ago, we actually have someone, who, the two people who've now walked with kids every year for four years, the same set of kids all the way through, and they've re-upped again for this year because they're like, we're just going to see this thing through. We want to see these little ones become the little and then a little bit older and a little bit more of the kinds of young men and young women as we release them into, into the teen arena. They want to be a part of the long story over time. I heard the story about um, this two-year-old who um, was in the car and was praying and said, um, was asking God, two-year-old, was asking God um, if he would heal her skinned knee. And the mom was like, I, we haven't taught her this, <laughs> so I don't know where she's getting this idea or this notion. And, and she, she was talking to Corey a little bit later, and Corey was like, oh, well, last week in our, in our toddler curriculum, like we were talking about the fact that God is a God who heals. And, um, and uh, this mom, she said, um, 
She said, it's, it's sticking. And she knows that she can ask God to help her when she's hurting. And I thought, that's the little tiny Ebenezer. You know, I got different size rocks here. I had some pebbles too, but I forgot them. Um, but they manifest in different ways, right? Different stages. You probably look back on your life at different moments as a kid and then even as a teen, we had a teenager this year who on a Saturday night looked at one of their uh, youth coaches and said, like, God's made my faith real in the last few weeks. Like, for the first time, this isn't just what my mom and dad have said, just what they want for me. No, this is, this is actually for me. He is for me. One, uh, one particular the, uh, committed youth coach has actually done a bunch of, of writing alongside and, and helping even Michael with some of the, the editing for the youth retreat in particular, editing some of the, the material for the teaching and because she has a vision for what it looks like for students to catch on to the essentials of the faith, particularly in this moment. So and with her time, she comes alongside someone else who doesn't have a ton of time to be able to offer that and, and gives her gifts and, and resources and it has tremendous impact. On the adult front, we've had all kinds of families enter into community and give themselves to community. We have a couple families that uh, in this past year have decided they're going to they move closer. They wanted to be closer and nearer to you all. Um, they wanted to be more knit into the community. They felt like they lived too far away, and so they sold, sold their house, they're selling their house, and are, and are transitioning their entire family nearer by because God's drawn them. There's a, a whole slew of you that have been uh, taking courageous steps towards reconciliation towards, towards forgiving people who've harmed you or been created broken relationships and strained relationships. And some of you have done that with family, chosen to love family in the midst of that. And some of you have friendships or broken friendships, manifesting the, the, one of the most significant bottom-of-the-barrel life realities about the change that Jesus brings about, the forgiving grace of Jesus Christ offered to people who don't deserve it. We have a uh, Henry Springs uh, teacher who's also in our midst who, who loves her job. She's an amazing teacher and she loves her job. And um, I was talking with her because she's helping me with some stuff going on at the school. And, um, and she says, um, I love my job and I'm here five days a week, but I'm actually here six days a week because I'm here on Sundays. And, and Sunday's my favorite day of the week now. Because the way in which the community group that I've been a part of has, has surrounded me, has, has, has cared for me, has has pointed me to Jesus like I've never felt more excited to get up in a morning than I do on Sunday morning to come and be with them and, and how it's affected her worship toward, towards God. We've had um, a bunch of miscarriages this year, just a bunch of them. And some of them have been silent and quiet. Some of you have known about others. And um, it's been phenomenal to watch in the midst of this sorrow uh, a community of people come alongside, to come and come around. Uh, some of you, because you know the way, like you've been this way before, and so you have particular gifts to offer, and, and you've done so, you've done so with grace and with patience. And, and then there was one particular family that was here just days after, um, after the miscarriage, and I, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. I'm surprised, I'm surprised to see you guys here. And, and, uh, and she just looked at me and she says, um, we needed to be with family. She says, I wouldn't have said this a couple of years ago, honestly, but, but these people have become family to us, and, and this was the safest and best place to be. We have um, a whole bunch of folks that, folks that chose to become members this year, and uh, for two families in particular, this was a, 
It's a really significant decision because in their past, they have some pretty massive church damage, candidly. And, and the prospect of entrusting yourself again to a group of people, to, to a leadership, felt like crazy talk. And yet they allowed God to do the kind of work in them that made them say, I will, I will trust God again and I'll entrust myself to a bunch of people. That's choosing to see God as doing something new in them. We have a couple who uh, heard that there was some struggles going on with a, a young married couple who hadn't been married very long and there were some, some challenges. And so they just, they just jumped in, started spending time together and then, and then weekly walking along, taking the slow and beautiful steps towards refreshing and, and renewing a relationship. We have a, a seasoned educator who's, who traveled to Uganda because he has a passion for people learning how and, and becoming more alive to, to, to education in its deep ways. And, and he's, he's in there and he's, he's finding ways in which they can, he can bring re- restoration, renewal, and, and engagement to, to broken educational systems while engaging the local folks there. And, and actually, I believe in the next couple of weeks, someone's going to be coming to come spend some time with him from Uganda to be able to bring some, some changes in there. It's, a life on mission manifesting itself. Many of you rallied around um, Anne Deloach in her fi- final days. And um, I can testify to this because um, Bill has said it point blank. He said, this group of people have blown me away. This is what's held me together. And, 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 for, and for Bill, the people who came and sat and, and brought meals um, as Anne and slowly moved into and towards death, um, it's a huge rock. This is, the, this is an Ebenezer for him because of the way people have loved and engaged with him. Some of you have driven people to chemo appointments and sat with them and held their hands while they got treatment. You've cooked some meals. People have sewn blankets for others. There's been a million different ways that have been invisible in which people have loved one another, have, have given secret and hidden gifts anonymously because they wanted to see good manifest itself in trying or difficult or painful circumstances in, in this room. They wanted people to see God. We've been a people that have stepped into life on mission, honestly, in ways we never had before. We had... Uh, particularly coming out of the, the stuff we were talking through in Acts about bearing witness and, and, and coming alive to telling the story of Jesus and his resurrection to others, all kinds of different little things started happening. We had one uh, young woman talk, about, talk to her DBG about the fact that, um, that they bought a, a puppy, an Evangel puppy, because uh, they couldn't figure out ways to connect with um, the, the people in their neighborhood and the, particularly with the other women in the neighborhood and, and a reason to be outside without being a creeper. Um, <laughs> And so they bought a puppy. She and her husband bought a little dog. They gave her a reason to, to go and walk with other women, to, be, to work with one of the Muslim neighbors that are right there because they wanted what they have, part of their life, to be on mission with them. You have a mom who, of little ones, actually, who's, who's basically piloting an opportunity for moms that are disconnected, who have preschool kids, who don't have an opportunity to know anyone, to, to come together and to expand that well beyond the walls of the church to be able to, to open up venues and avenues for redemptive conversations and hopefully redemptive relationships. Have a another mom who, um, a younger kid, who's always had a passion for, um, for teens 
And uh, for the past several years, been trying to figure out what that was going to, what that looked like in light of the age of her, her own children. And um, and this past year has has stepped in and and got herself uh, certified and, and qualified to be to be a coach, to be um, a guide to to teenagers who are coming out of foster care and becoming adults. And and won't have any support anymore, any forced support. And, and to be able to be the, the transitional guy to coach someone that can, that can love them through and, and can be wisdom and, and have an opportunity to build the kind of relationship that can last into adulthood. That maybe redemption would manifest itself in usually very painful and broken circumstances. A woman in our church who spent a bunch of time at a mosque, at mosque on Fridays this last year, um, talking, mostly listening, Trying, trying to understand some of the, the beauty and the dynamics and the, getting to know some of the women and, and, and every once in a while having an opportunity to talk about the, 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 the beauty of the gospel as it manifests itself in this particular kind of, kind of context. She even took a course on Islam. She has a passion there. It's because she loves Jesus. We've um, had a handful of folks that have taken a... The evan- an evangelism seminar, and then, then a second one, and and are finding themselves trying to put into place some of the, into play some of the things that they've learned, and, and and are praying with folks in random moments, and are and are risking being uncomfortable in ways they, they hadn't before, and um, and as we heard several months ago, a couple of them ended up leading someone to Christ in the middle of a Dick's Sporting Goods store, because when you throw yourself out there, God sometimes does crazy things. And this past week, I even got to talk to a recent widow who was talking to me about how she's being invited in and drawn in to walk alongside a woman who's going through a really messy divorce and, and is being able to, unknowns to her, to be able to offer the very things that sustained her when she was going through pain and loss and sorrow and uncertainty. Giving away what we have. There are many stones I, I just touched on a few. There, there are dozens in your life, I suspect. Some of them old, and, and my hope would be many that are new, that are being forged or being, being manifested, being built in you. But I do want to um, say that one of the things that Scripture invites us into uh, comes out of First Peter 2. It says, as you come to him, as you come to Christ, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. So as you come to Jesus, and that's who he is, this living, uh, living stone, he's precious and chosen. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Now that's, that's some of the things that have happened this year, as you've been built up as living stones to be a holy priesthood. And it's manifested itself in how you've been stones for other people. Uh, you've given yourselves away, and, and other people are thinking about, there's an Ebenezer, and, and his name is, or, or her name is, living stones. They're offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Now, I, I have to acknowledge, and it's, and it's interesting because we're singing two very different sets of songs. I want to acknowledge that there are a bunch of you also that are that are not in the, in the midst of your current circumstances, you're not at Ebenezer place yet. Like the, the, the Philistines are still coming, right? You're still under, you're still under. And, and you're waiting that the, the faithfulness of God, which manifests itself in an Ebenezer is, is yet to come. It, it's not here yet. And, and you're being invited by faith to try and to, to hang on. 
you're actually being invited in particular to look at former ones, former stones of remembrance that, that God invited you in time by his grace to place in a field that you may come back and go, I don't see it today, but I see it there. And I don't know how long and I don't know which way, but by faith I'm believing there is a future grace. Because loved ones, one of the things that's true about the grace of God is that though we don't see it always in the moment, which is certainly the case, it is coming. There is a future grace that, that awaits us. And I, and I don't know how it'll manifest in the circumstances that are in your life. And you can't go, here, I raise my Ebenezer about this yet at all. And to ask you to do so would just be cruel, candidly. candidly. It, would just be, it would be unkind. And, and I don't think that's what God's inviting you into. What he's inviting you to do is he's inviting you to look back and to say, what are the ways in which God has manifested his faithfulness to me in the past? And then what does he promise me in light of all the scriptures and in light of what he manifests himself here for what is to come? Because in that place, I wait. In that place, I can hope. Because, because loved ones, there is going to be a day, maybe 10 years from now, some other guy that doesn't look like me is going to be able to put a stone out there and say, hey, there's a Dempsey's stone. And you're going to be like, ah, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, two years ago, this thing that I just remembered as an Ebenezer was invisible to me. And I, I don't know how it's going to work, but I know this. God's faithfulness is manifested through the past in these Ebenezer moments, and he's also promising through them a future grace for you. This past year, though, I think um, at corporately or communally, our, our, our largest um, Ebenezer Stone moment had to be the manifestation of the challenge that we ran into with, uh, with, with our space. Um, I was going back through my notes from our... Um, February 2017, State of the Church. This is what I said out loud to you all. This is 2017 when we knew so much. We have three and a half years left. Uh, we should be able to remain at the school well past that. Therefore, somewhere between two and a half to three and a half years should be relocating to a centralized fixed lease location somewhere in Roswell. Isn't that great? Although one of the lines I, I skipped over is so, oh yes, although it may come sooner. That was in there. See, I skipped over that because I skipped over that. Uh, one year ago, almost to the date, if you remember, I stood up here and I was like, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. And um, I don't know how God's going to rescue. He's been super faithful to us in the past. He's taken us through some really uncertain, really messy, really painful things, the kinds of things that shut a church down or that, that, that break you apart. And, and he saw us through, so... So what if we just trust that he has something good for us? And, and believe it or not, well, believe it because you know. That's what he did, right? He thundered. And, and within days, we were looking at a, a, a new space. And, and the, fact that, the fact that God opened up a space in that amount of time that, that was that fitting and was the right size, it, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. It still remains this like, yeah, God thundered. We didn't do, there's nothing. We were, we were toast. As far, the Lord has helped us. But not only did he um, find us an ideal place and, and bring it about in, in a ridiculous amount of time, he also then, so it's great to have a place, it's great to have a thing, and then you have to actually get it. And what he manifested his faithfulness in ways I could never have imagined through you, through the generosity and the, the gifts that God brought through you to bring about something that never could have happened otherwise. God is taking this ragamuffin bunch of folks into a, a new and fresh season. And, 
And I, and I trust we, will, will never forget how we got there. That in a sense, every time we walk in and walk out of that space, we won't go like, isn't we have a cool space that we can use for awesome things? Yes, I want that to be the case. But, but the most significant thing will be like, like, can you believe God is the kind of God that, that, is, that has been faithful? And, and so that so whatever's coming, because I suspect in a year or two, I'm going to stand up here and say something else that I don't know what's about to happen or whatever, right? That's going to happen. It happens in your life. And we'll have to say, well, what do we know is true? We know that God's been faithful here. And he surprised us and supplied for us here. And so we're going to trust him here. That's the, the great story that he keeps writing. That's an Ebenezer for us. Um, and speaking of our space, I do want to give you um, kind of an update. Where, where are things at? It's been a, few, a little bit since we've talked a little bit about how, how and where things are at. If you remember, I, I put a video out there that said we were in delay. So it's been a, a, a July was a bit of a delay month, a little bit frustrating on the permitting side, but things are now in, in full swing. Uh, we are, <laughs> what we use by faith, clinging to a November 1 date, as we had put out there originally. All the buffer that existed for that is gone. <laughs> so, so it may be November 1 if everything goes perfectly, which in construction, people tell me is always how it goes. So, um, so I would ask, uh, this is one thing we're asking, is that, that we would pray. Um, you know, Emil, uh, if you work for the school, don't tell anyone. But, you know, we, they gave us till November 1 here. So we may have to go beg and borrow for a few more weeks if that's the case. But we're, we're trusting that God can get us in there by November 1. And what a cool thing it would be to celebrate that, um, even if it's not, you know, all the way finished. Uh, but one of the other things... Um, is uh, so, so kind of where are things at? Um, plumbing's done. That's all finished. HVAC's finished. Um, we got walls going up, which is very cool because one of the things it does is I was walking in there the other day, or on Friday actually, um, like the wall that separates the gathering space from the sanctuary is there. And suddenly you can start seeing something take shape. And I, all I know is I suddenly, I had this, this picture, this vision of the reality of our little worshiping community getting to come and and experience the grace of God there. And, and not only that, but that there's room and that we're going to have opportunities for the people who aren't yet in the room, who through you, through, through your courage, through the fact that you're going to keep talking about Jesus and talking about the fact that he's risen, he's alive in you, that the other people are going to come to be a part of, of this community as we lead people towards Jesus and, and point them towards the gospel. And, and then there's, there's opportunities for us to serve the community and that there's going to be meetings and, and outside organizations and, and maybe neighbors and, and business neighbors that are going to be a part of and be able to use our space in ways that that opens up redemptive relationships and, and conversations. And it's just a place is being prepared and, and those big 24-foot steel walls are just kind of like this hint at like, it's coming, it's coming. And I'm really excited about that. Um, from a, on, on top of all the, uh, the, the, the build-out pieces moving forward, um, we're on our way from a, we're on our way from a, um, a funding of the build-out also in really amazing ways. Uh, as of this week, as in literally as of uh, this past Saturday, uh, we received about 580000 which is 66% of the total commitments to this thing, which just doesn't happen. I know I keep saying that, that that just doesn't happen ever. People who know this, this doesn't happen. And that's just amazing. Like, it's not only surprising and encouraging, but as I was talking to our accountant, uh, who doesn't go to our church, by the way, it's one of our things. Um, she was saying, I was saying like, hey, how are we doing on the, on the gifts and all that stuff? And so she gave me the numbers and I was like, oh man, this is super exciting. And she said, you know, the thing that's really crazy is um, so far, um, 
of all the gifts and the commitments, both the, the, the initial commitments and then the monthly commitments that have been made, um, 100% have come in. Which, 100%. Um, in the midst of the number of things that can happen in our lives, the things that don't go well and that things that fall apart and financially usually ends up being one of those manifestations, um, that's amazing. And so I just want to say, well done. Well done. This is, this is a declaration as a community of what it means that we're for one another, that we're going to be the kind of people who do what we say we're going to do. And it's awesome. It's really encouraging and, and refreshing. But not only has God shown his faithfulness to us in, in how uh, he's provided for us in this new space and, and entering the, the new season and, and all the funding and all the preparation and all the demo that we've done, and, um, but he's shown himself in the fact that he's sustained us even in the, in the midst of this. And so I want to show you here briefly kind of where we've landed as we start the new year looking back, where we've landed financially in fiscal year 30, um, fiscal year of this past year, which ended for us in July 31. Um, you can see on the screen um, what we thought we'd spend. That's our, on the right side. That's kind of what we, the budget. We thought this is roughly, based on history, et cetera, where we thought we would be spending for the year. Uh, God provided about six, provided six, a little over $607,000. We actually spent uh, 604, which is one of the things we did by trying to keep things tighter and simpler. Um, so which means that even in a year where an unreal amount of ask was made and an unreal amount of need was present in our church, we still ended up in the black, that God provided, provided just enough. He thundered just loud enough to provide ongoingly what, what we needed even to this day. And so... Um, that's last year. As we anticipate this coming year, here's what this is going to look like. We anticipate spending um, about 766 this coming year, which from last year is about $130,000 increase. Uh, the math on that is almost exactly 20%. That's not, that's not a surprise. Um, we, we anticipated that. We knew that stepping into our own space and, and experiencing all the additional costs of running our own operation, et cetera, was going to be uh, more than that. So we've done everything to trim and to get real creative, and we're still doing that. Um, but as of right now, you can kind of see the manifestation of how our budget breaks down in the variety of categories uh, for us as a church. And um, this is how we invest our, our funds, both the breakdown of the facility elements and, and staffing and, and administration and, of course, all the ministry budget areas that we, that we offer. So this is a picture. This is what it means for us as a church to, to, to continue to do the ministry that God's given to us, the ways in which we serve one another, ways in which we engage and serve uh, the community, which we send people um, and receive people. So we're, um, we're trusting in God's grace, and I want to show you something. So this is, this is like, okay, how about this? Saying 130,000 feels real easy after having said 900,000 and watching all your faces go like, whatever. <laughs> but I want to show you something. The reason why seeing that number and going like, okay, 20%, which is what we expected, but nonetheless, you see it and you're like, wow, 20%, that's not messing around, um, is... Uh, is when you take the, the full picture of what was, what was given for, towards the church ministry, uh, you take church, Christmas Different, and you had Christmas Different in there, which was about $50,000 that we gave towards Nepal and, and, and rescue of girls and goats, and it's an amazing thing we did in Christmas. Um, and then we take what's come in, in last year in All In with, for, the, for the giving towards the budget. We're at, we're at a total of $1.228 million. It's just a, see, that's bigger than 900. See? So well, this is what it told me, and I'm no accountant, whatever, but I know this. Um, that's 218% more than we received the year before, not this year, but last year, you know, 
when we had no idea we were having to move into a new space. And if someone had given us these numbers, we'd have been like, you're crazy. It still feels crazy. But this is what, this is what God did in, in, one, in one year. And, and, and so we're just going to trust him that, that 20% is less than 218%. And that he'll, he'll find a way. And that as God continues to grow us and to mature us and to free us, that, that we'll have an avenue and, and a clear way of being able to continue the ministry that God's offering us in this new space and, and for his glory. So that's the, um, that's the picture of where we land and, and, and where we're at and um, now I just want to talk real briefly about some of the ways in which we want to put some stones in the ground, the ways in which we want to try and invest and engage. You can take the 1.2 million off. Um, <laughs> it's just screaming at you. Um, is um, by continuing to do what God calls us to do, and that is as a people for us to look forward and be, um, to be a people who are going to glorify God by pursuing gospel transformation that we believe that God changes us as we, as we follow Jesus, as we, um, as we trust him, and we do so in worshiping together and engaging community and living on mission. So a couple of things that we just want to kind of point out as we head forward. One of the things is as we step into a new, uh, new season, we're going to be uh, moving through this fall, talking through prayer. We're going to spend about six weeks preaching through prayer. And, and then we're going we're to spend some time in, in Nehemiah, which feels wildly appropriate as we head into a season of transition. And, and we're going to look at all the aspects in which God meets his people as he prepares them, both inwardly, outwardly, towards justice. And so we'll spend some time in Nehemiah. And then we'll do, do our first Advent series, Lord willing, in our new space. And, uh, and then as we hit January, we're going to begin um, a study through the book of Mark, which will take us through a large portion of of 2019. So that's, that's some of the ways in which we're wanting to, to, to trust God and see him establish new stones of remembrance through the means of grace that he offers us in, in teaching and providing. In the midst of the prayer series, uh, there's going to be a, uh, uh, a Praying Life Paul Miller seminar downtown that uh, I'm hoping a bunch of us can go to and be a part of as we continue to, in seminar form, to be equipped. Because through this fall, we're going to have a couple of different equipping environments that are going to be available. One is, is, is uh, it's called Five Simple Tools uh, for Sharing the Gospel. I, I can't tell you a lot of what it's about, but I think that should help you. Um, and, uh, and both Clark and Will will be over on the equipping section if you have some questions about what that will look like. And it's, it's broader than that, but that's one of the key things. A very practical guide if you've been a part of the everyday questions. This is the practical, super on the ground. How do you, how do you take that thing and, and the question under the thing and start, start actually saying and, and sharing your own testimony? How do you know how to do that? And it's very, very tangible and very practical. And the second one, this one is still in formation, is we're um, working through a curriculum called Be the Bridge, which has um, been, been around for a few years now, but it's, it's really a great tool in helping in the arena of, of racial reconciliation beyond the, beyond the, the black-white reconciliation, but a, of all dynamics of race within. It's really amazing. It's really deeply scripturally centered. Um, so we're going to be trying to partner with other churches um, including Eagle's Nest and, and maybe some others to try and have, because it's one of those curriculums, like you can't just all be white in the room to have it work. <laughs> you can't. It's not an option. So, uh, so we're going to labor and work to pull that together. We have a few folks that are really going to be uh, working to that end. So hopefully by September, we'll have a core group to be able to, to pull that together and make that, make that happen. Um, one of the things that we are going to be shifting towards from an equipping standpoint is moving towards the idea of uh, a training nights. Once we, have, once we have our own space, one of the things we're wanting to do is to have a, a one night of gathering where we all come together and, and can go through and separate out into various areas of training. So in the in this fall, sorry, in the, in the winter, 
uh, as we're going to be doing an equipping course on prayer, an equipping course on discovering your uh, dis- discovering your life on mission. Um, we're going to be doing one on parenting. But it'll be an opportunity for all of us to come together, regardless of what course or environment you want to be a part of. Have your kids um, connected to an environment that's safe, and they can hang out there while we all are trained together, and we get to do it in one night on one uh, one gathered gathered experience, which is pretty exciting. Um, the uh, there's going to be there's going to be lots of different ways. Community groups are are pivotal. Um, if, if you're in a community group, or if you if you haven't been yet, like we invite you to to take to risk to step in, to jump in, to to, to choose to to re-enter if you've been in one, to re-enter, to recommit with vulnerability and with courage, to be kind of people who are going to be curious towards one another. They're going to offer themselves. They're going to be accountable to one another. You can't you can't do life alone. We're made to be together. You have to belong to one another. One of the things I just want to comment on is like. Most of those stories that I talked about people being cared for, engaged, being changed by, the kind of people that were with people who became an Ebenezer to them this last year were living in community. They had, they had made themselves available to other people. They had, they had put their lives out there to be engaged, be those kinds of people, continue to be those kinds of people, choose to enter and to, to give yourself away in those ways. We want to continue to be the kind of place that challenges you to live your life on mission. Uh, not, not that creates the kind of space where you get to come and do a thing, but, but that spurs you on, that, that, that encourages you, that celebrates when, when God is moving you in a direction that he's already prepared, where he's placed you and how he's equipped you and, and where he's calling you to. And, and I know God in the, is in the midst of doing that in several of you. He's, he's prepared you. He's sending you some places. Uh, for some of you, he's actually placed you exactly where you are. For some of you, like you just moved here. Like I've talked to a bunch of you, you just moved here. So welcome, and he has something for you here. He's brought you for purpose. And I don't just mean here at Roswell. I just mean in your life, in your neighborhood, in your work. And that's true for you today. We get to begin again. One of the things about beginning a new season is is to take a fresh look and to begin saying again, God, what do you have for us? How would you have me give my life away? How would you have me invest myself in other people that I may receive the joy and the blessing? I want to be a living stone to others. So it's, uh, it's 2018, soon 2019, and, um, and God's moving us forward. He's done a ton of preparatory work. And for most of you, for a long time and then recently, he's placed stones of remembrance. He's made Ebenezer moments that have prepared you for, for this time. And, and as we head forward, we're going to need to continue to look back. And one of the things we get to do in community with one another is we get to go, but don't forget, do you remember when? Do you remember when God did this and took you through this? See, he's going to be faithful. He's going to carry you through. That's the invitation we have to one another in community. And one of the things we get to do every single Sunday is we get to come back to the Ebenezer stone. Like, if there is a thing that we can look back on in a field, which is literally every Sunday in some ways, we we come in and we walk to a field where there is a stone. I guess it's not a field. We actually walk up a hill where there is a stone, the stone. It's a cross-shaped stone, and it's... It's the one. First Peter 2, 6 says, this is the Lord speaking from Isaiah 28. He says, behold, says the Lord, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Christ is the permanent, perpetual stone of remembrance. 
Like there may be days where even, even the significant things that have happened in your life, even the ways in which God's been faithful in the past are going to be hard to see. But, but this stone, Christ, Christ li- alive, Christ crucified, and Christ risen is the bedrock. That stone never moves. Loved ones, that stone will never move for all of eternity. We will be singing about the redemption of Christ forever. And so, as we come and as we receive the body and the blood of Christ, use these as a moment of remembrance of your faithfulness, O Lord, is present to me now, has been completed and is full and will carry me today, tomorrow, wherever he has for you, both to give yourselves away and in relationship with with one another. Let's pray. Father, in Christ, um, we have received this immovable, unchangeable, steadfast, and grace-filled stone. This thing on which we can lean and rest, this thing we can entrust ourselves to because, because you were broken for us. Think of the stone that Moses struck. Paul says, and the stone was Christ. So Lord, thank you that you are, you are the thing in the past that we will never be able to escape because it is the truest thing for our present reality and the only hope for our future. So would you, would you, would you galvanize that in our souls as we come and we receive the bread and the cup? Would you make that real and tangible and true in us that that we would see you more, that we would um, delight in you more, that we would trust you more deeply, that we'd see your faithfulness manifested in our hearts. Please, O oh Lord, we ask this in and for the sake of Christ. Amen. If you belong to Jesus, if, if he is your stone of remembrance and has rescued you, then come and receive the body and the blood of Christ for you.